Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Getch, and thank you, Dr. R, and Brother Weaver. Thank you for your investment in these young people and for investing in my kids. Our oldest son and our oldest daughter uh, graduated from West Coast Baptist College. Matt, Megan was best known for working in the coffee shop. Anybody remember Megan? Yep, yep, she was one of the many short blondes that worked in the coffee shop there. Uh, she's now teaching. And uh, I want to thank you students for your prayers for Chloe Kilpatrick from our church. Her mother was my secretary for 30 years, and she went to be with the Lord this last September. Thank you uh, for showing the love of Christ uh, to her. Uh, what a joy to be here with you today. If you'd open your Bibles to John chapter 13 this morning, John chapter 13. I was saved at the age of 15. I had my life all planned out. Have you ever done that? I'm going to do this and do this and do this, and then God changed my plans. I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. I wanted to become a pilot. I wanted to uh, serve our country in the military, and I wanted to be a little cockpit away from everyone because I was afraid of public speaking, and I thought that's a good place to be. God changed my plans. Students, the best life you can possibly have is the one that God has planned for you. The Apostle Paul calls this what? The perfect will of God, Romans chapter 12. And when you surrender fully to God, He will bless you in amazing ways. I have a QR code if you would like a digital copy of the notes, and so we'll put that up there for you uh, for a few moments here as well. Now, many of you will be graduating in May. Many of you will be graduating in May. Woohoo! All seniors, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, great. I wanted you to feel special today, so I brought a small gift for you. But I wanted everyone else to feel special, so I brought the same gift for all of them too. So as you exit today, uh, be sure to pick up that small gift at the side door and the West Wing lobby. I'd like to share something that can bring you great joy in your life. It goes to the core of who you are. It is an attitude that changes everything about you. King David said it this way. He said, I delight to do thy will, O my God. In Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will. Do you know it is God's will for you to be here at West Coast Baptist College this semester? Is that right? Amen. I mean, it is God's will. And yes, you're doing life and you're going to classes. Are you doing it with joy? You see, the joy of life comes in delighting to do God's will. My message is entitled, Delighted to Serve. John chapter 13, let's pick up the passage here in verse 4. It's a familiar story, but I trust we'll be encouraged by it today. John 13, verse 4. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Let your eyes drop down to verse 12, please. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, 
ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy, happy are ye if ye do them. May we pray. Father, I thank you for each of these students. I thank you that they have surrendered their lives to be able to follow your will, to prepare their lives to better serve you. God, I pray that even today they would see that they are serving you. They're not just preparing, but they're serving you now. And I pray you'd strengthen them in their faith. I pray they'd make a commitment that they will lovingly serve Christ all the days of their life and that nothing will distract them, nothing will detour them. Father, I pray that as we all have seasons of trial, of sin, of falling, of failing, God, help us to get back up. A just man falls seven times and riseth back up again. God, help us, teach us, show us to be your servants, your sons and daughters who love you with all of our hearts. If there be one here today that just has a profession of faith and not saved, God, I pray you'd touch their heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Everyone wants to make their life count, right? Everyone wants to make a difference and leave the world a better place. Yet we all have a problem that hinders us making a positive impact on others. We're all sinners, aren't we? We're sinners. We all fight selfishness every day. Uh, one couple came in for counseling to a Christian counselor, and the wife said, my husband is so selfish. You just can't believe it. And the counselor said, uh, give me an example of what you mean. She said, well, well, he's so selfish that when he won a trip to Hawaii for two, he went twice. Okay? <laughs> That's selfish. Uh, years ago, my wife, Jody, and I, we flew out here. We, we came to the Wednesday evening service, and after the service, we drove out to the Palm Desert uh, for a pastor's meeting. Uh, we arrived about midnight uh, their time, which was 3 a.m. our time, and we checked into our room, and it was freezing. Uh, the heater was broken, so I called the front desk, and they dispatched a maintenance, maintenance man, and he came, and he looked at it. He said, yep, it's broken. It's broken. I can't get that part that I need until tomorrow morning, but I can get my boss's space heater out of his office and bring that to you. I said, well, I don't want to get you into trouble. He said, oh, no, he's not here. He won't care. And so he brought back uh, the space heater. We kindly thanked him. Exhausted, we crawled into bed. It was about 4 a.m. our time. Well, the next morning, I found a note slipped under the door with vouchers for breakfast. It was signed by the night manager with this closing. Delighted to serve. Delighted to serve. I couldn't believe it. Here he took the extra time, he wrote an apology note, and he signed it, and he gave us those vouchers. Why? Why would he be delighted to serve? For a paycheck? For a satisfaction of a job well done? Uh, to keep a guest happy, hoping he wouldn't get yelled at in the morning? Or because he really cared? Now I thought, here is an unsaved man, and he's working for approval, how much more should you and I, who love 
Jesus Christ, that we should be delighted to serve him with all of our heart for all of our life. I was challenged by that guy. God has promised us an eternal reward. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We've been saved from the wrath to come. We've been saved from the lake of fire. How much more should we be motivated and grateful and delighted to serve Jesus Christ? Let me show you a picture here that, of what it looks like to be delighted to serve from John 13. And so I'd like for just a moment this morning to go back to that upper room right after the Lord's Supper and to capture your mind uh, with this scene. I'd like you to think about your attitude. I'd like you to think about your actions, your words, your life. On the left hand, you see the hands of the Lord Jesus. On the right, you see the feet of one of the 12 disciples. On the left, you see the hands of the Lord of glory. You see the creator of the universe. You see Jesus kneeling in humility, kneeling with love and service as an example to us. On the right, can you see each of the 12 disciples? Can you see Jesus washing your feet? This really is a snapshot of Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Of a servant. He came to serve. Jesus Christ was delighted to serve us. He came into the world to do his Father's will, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, in this scene, Jesus has just explained to his disciples that he is going to suffer and die on a cross for their sins. But they have become distracted. They are unable to read the room. What has captured their attention? This question. Who is greatest among them? If you had a vote to vote which of the 12 disciples is the greatest, uh, would you vote for Peter? I mean, Peter walked on water. So how many here would vote for Peter? You got a couple of votes for Peter. Uh, how about John? Uh, John's, always, John's always close to Jesus, right? I mean, he's right there. And later we're going to find out that, that Jesus is actually going to bequeath his mother to John's care. How many would vote for John? Don't you think the best soul winner is the greatest among them? Who is the best soul winner of the 12? That'd be Andrew. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Andrew brought that little boy with the lunch. I mean, fed 5,000. That's pretty cool. Uh, Andrew brought those Greeks. How many would vote for Andrew? Any votes for Judas? No. (laughs) So they're arguing. They're disputing. Who is greatest among them? May I tell you who the greatest among them is? It's Jesus. End of discussion. End of discussion. Here is this important moment, and, and they're arguing. They're, they're bickering over who's the greatest. Jesus took their bickering as an opportunity to be able to teach them one of the most important lessons on how to live. Every time they struggled with their pride, Jesus knew what to say, when to say it, and what to do. It reminds me, back in the 1970s, Muhammad Ali reigned as the heavyweight boxing champion of the world, and no one was more aware of his greatness than Ali himself. He called himself king. God, 
Superman. He reminded everyone by saying, I am the greatest of all time. After boarding an airplane one day, you may have heard the story, he met his match. The flight attendant was walking up the aisle, making sure that everyone had their seatbelts fastened when she noticed Ali had not fastened his. When she asked him to do so, he just grunted and he folded his arms. He said, huh, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Unimpressed, the flight attendant just smiled and said, sir, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. He buckled his seatbelt. Kind of what the disciples were like. Jesus is now going to give his disciples a lesson they will never forget. He is going to show them by example what true greatness is. How? By kneeling, by serving, by washing. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Look with me in verse 4 and 5. Uh, uh, without a word, without a word, Jesus, he takes off his outer garment. He picks up a towel. He pours water into a basin. He begins to wash their dirty feet. And a sudden hush comes across the group, embarrassed and ashamed. Why? Because the customary service of washing the feet had been missed. No one thought to meet the need. Well, no one but Jesus. One by one, he washes their dirty feet. Jesus washes the feet of Peter, a difficult disciple. Peter questions. Peter debates. Verse 6, Lord, do you wash my feet? Uh, verse 8, Peter's demand, thou shalt never wash my feet. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, how rude it is for you and I to tell God what to do and what not to do. Jesus says, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Verse 8, at times Peter was a difficult disciple obstinate, opinionated, outspoken, and often wrong. And God wants you and I to be willing to wash the feet of difficult people. How? Love them, forgive them, pray for them, show care for them, instruct them with a humble heart, uh, do you have a difficult person in your life today? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> do you have a difficult person in your life right now? A family member, a roommate, a coworker, a friend, a professor, a student? You'll never know if you have a servant's heart until someone treats you like a servant. God has allowed that that trial in your life for a reason. Here are two verses I memorized when I was in college many years ago, and they've helped to guide me with difficult people. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. But you know, the truth is at one time or another, we are all difficult people, aren't we? Aren't we? If you, if you want to have a picture of a difficult disciple, look in a mirror. <laughs> look in a mirror because all of us have those moments where we are a trial to someone else. Jesus washed Peter's feet, a difficult disciple, but he also washed the feet of Judas, a dangerous disciple. Judas the betrayer, Judas the traitor, Judas the thief, John 12, 6. Judas is a dangerous disciple. You know, it's one thing to, to, to serve and care for and help wash the feet of, of, of a disciple with all kinds of potential, but it's another thing to wash the feet, to invest in someone who has no potential. And Jesus knew Judas was becoming his 
enemy. Let's suppose for a moment the disciple that, that uh, uh, Jesus is washing the feet in that picture is Judas. Man, that would be hard, wouldn't it? If I were Jesus, Jesus, I would have a hard time washing the feet of a guy who hates me, wouldn't you? Why did Jesus wash his feet? Well, he's showing us. He's showing us today to love our enemies. Jesus practiced what he preached, didn't he? Yes, we're to show love even to those who don't like us. Our Lord said this before, so this is not a new message. He said, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've even been abused. Maybe you've been wronged. Who hasn't? It's hard. And I understand and I know I lived in a violent, abusive, alcoholic home for several years. My dad died. My mom remarried. My stepdad, uh, he tried for a year to be a good dad, and then he fell into heavy drinking. And the Lord gloriously saved him because of my mom's prayers, and he came to Christ. He went from the meanest man that I knew to the kindest and gentlest man I knew for the next 43 years. Maybe you've been through some abuse. But God's grace is greater than your past. Uh, Jesus kneeled and he served a difficult disciple, a dangerous disciple. Jesus also washed the feet of 10 other disciples, the deserters. They all ran away from the Garden of Gethsemane. And so in 2023, God is going to bring into your life all three of these kinds of people for you to minister to, for you to love, for you to help and encourage difficult people, dangerous people, even the deserters. And with God's help, the question is, will you show them love? Will you show them forgiveness? Will you show them kindness? Will you help by serving them with joy? So why? Why would he do this? Why did Jesus wash their feet? A couple of thoughts, uh, as he told us, as an example for them to follow. Look at the end of verse 12. Know ye not what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Peter got it. In fact, when Peter wrote his epistle, he said, Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his what? In his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 if we are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, we should do what he said. Secondly, to teach them humility. Why did he wash those feet? To teach them humility. Verse 16, he says, The servant is not greater than the Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. It's a humbling thing to wash dirty feet. It's a humbling thing sometimes to serve in bus ministry, to care for kids. It's a humbling thing. Jesus is teaching us this paradox of life that the, the way up is the way down. Uh, don't make it your goal in life to climb the ladder, rather to kneel, to wash feet, to serve. Why did Jesus wash their feet? Well, to show them the joy of serving. We see that in verse 17. If ye know these things, and you do, happy are ye if ye do them. Jesus says, gentlemen, if you are delighted in serving me and others, you will be happy. Now, this is the only time in the four Gospels you're going to find the word happy. Makarios is it's translated blessed in other places, but here it's happy. And if you want to have joy, if you want to be blessed, if you want happiness, 
It's going to come as you serve Christ and others. With the power of God on them, they could turn Jerusalem upside down, and they did. What kind of spiritual potential is in this worship center today with this congregation of students? Is there, eno is there enough here, Dr. Getch, to turn Lancaster upside down? Absolutely. We can. God wants to use us to be his salt and to be his light and to go into our community. What is greatness in God's eyes? Here it is. It's being a servant. In your notes there, spiritual greatness is finding out what God wants you to do, and that's part of why you're here, and then doing it with all of your heart. Greatness is simply doing your best where you are today. So don't think, well, I'll get serious about serving God when I graduate. No, no, it's today. If you're going to be a servant leader, you might as well determine you're going to do it with joy. Be delighted to serve. It's a choice. I love the story of D.L. Moody, who late one night in the Moody Bible Institute, after a convention, he was checking on the halls, and he turned a corner. He came across a room, some rooms where some visiting preachers from England were sleeping, and he noticed outside the door they had left their shoes, and some students were walking down the hall, and he said, do you know why these shoes are out here? And they said, yes. In their country, they put their shoes out at night to be cleaned. And he asked some, some of those students if they would take them to the room and clean them. And one of the young men said with an attitude, Mr. Moody, I did not come to Bible college to clean shoes. I came to study the Word of God for the ministry. And his buddy said the same thing. He said, okay, go back to your rooms. Well, then Moody himself collected all the shoes. He shined them and he put them back in place. And the only reason we know the story happened is because someone spotted him as he was finishing up. Mr. Moody didn't have a Bible college education. And it showed. Spurgeon said that Moody was the only man he knew who could say Mesopotamia in two syllables. But he shook two continents for Christ. What made him great? He loved God. He loved the Word of God. He loved people. He was a servant. And he followed his Lord's example, and he got his towel dirty. And so when he left New England and he came to Chicago, what did he do? He loved orphans. And he taught them in Sunday school, and thousands came to Christ. When you think of what our Lord did for you and me, how can we not but give our best in serving our Savior and others? Is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Is he your example to follow? If you have no desire to serve God and others, could it be that you have not personally met and received the Savior? Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days. It's the only life that pays. When you recall, you have but one life. Young people, God has gifted you. Uh, only one of you, or in the past, could, could kick himself in the head. Is anybody here able to do that? Good. <laughs> but God has gifted you. He has gifted you in such a unique way, and he wants you to use your gifts to serve him, to serve others, to get your towels dirty, and one day hear from him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so I have a little microfiber towel uh, for you, and you can use that to, to clean your, your screens, your iPad, and your 
phone and your glasses, and then I have a little uh, card for you, uh, and you can use it as a bookmarker. You can put it where you can see it. May it remind you that serving brings joy. Serving brings happiness. So be delighted to serve. Let me give you some uh, practical thoughts before we close here. Be delighted to serve your family. Be delighted to serve your family. Would you contact your parents and your siblings one more time than you usually do this week? Uh, some of you may only contact, contact them once a semester, so shock your mom or dad and, and, and go ahead and reach out. If someday you're going to discover that relationships are more important than money, more important than things, more important than fun, more important than getting straight A's. One week ago today, Jadon Goins, a freshman at PCC, was hit by a drunk driver while he was working on the property of the college. We've supported his parents, Matt and Delita, since they've been missionaries to Honduras. Jaden's grandparents are in our church. His aunt is in our church. He was only 19, a freshman, preparing for ministry. Reach out to your parents today. Reach out to your siblings today. Let them know that you care and that you love them. Be delighted to serve your friends. How? Well, help them. Help them when they have a need. Now, don't write their paper for them, okay? Don't do that. Uh, but get your towel dirty and help them when they have a need. Be delighted to serve the unsaved. Be sure to share tracts and share your testimony. Valley Forge Baptist exists because in 1975, when I was a teenager, somebody, somebody left a, a tract. They left a tract on the counter at a gas station. Natoli's Sunoco gas station in Springfield, Virginia. And my dad had just gotten saved. My parents were there, didn't know where to go to church, and they picked up that tract off of that counter at that gas station. The man that owned the gas station wasn't even saved. He was a Catholic. He let them work in the buses there. I don't know who put that tract out, but I do know that because that tract was out and my parents went to Fairfax Baptist and my brother and I were saved, I do know now, all these years later, 48 years later, thousands have been saved through dozens of ministries, over 200 and 230 supportive missionaries reaching people all around the world every day. In, in heaven, wouldn't you like to be that one that put out that track? Wouldn't you like to be that one? So oh, they just throw tracks away. Well, sure, people throw tracks away. But some people pick them up and read them. They get saved. They find the church and they get born again. Here's something you can do when you, when you go to a restaurant, uh, uh, the waiter or waitress always introduces themselves. Sometimes they have a tag. And just, just listen for a second and, and catch their name. And then, uh, I'm not talking fast food now, but, but now you're sitting down and, and, and so they bring you the food and then you say, they always say, need anything else? And you say, yes, we're Christians. And we always thank God for our food, and we always pray for our waitress. And Mary, we're going to pray for you today. Is there anything specific we can pray for you about? Family, school, life. And most of the time, they are so grateful. And then leave a good tip. <laughs> leave a good tip and a track opportunity to share a brief testimony. If you serve 
God will bless you. If you serve, God will bless you. And those blessings will come in, 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 in different ways in different seasons. We, right now, in the last three months of our uh, uh, ministry, we've had more folks saved in the last three months than any three-month period in 39 years of, of our church's history. God is just abundantly pouring out his blessings, people reaching others through community days and sports outreaches and food truck festival and prison and homeless ministries and counseling ministry, preschool and academy. I mean, you just get the hooks out in the water and you pray and then you let God do what he's going to do, but you serve. Be delighted to serve your college. Write a short thank you note to your professors before the semester is done. I don't mean, I don't mean... Thanks a lot for teaching me patience this semester. Right? I mean a sincere, encouraging note uh, to one of your teachers and professors. Be delighted to serve your God. When you have a thought to do something good or for God, do it. That wasn't from the devil. When you are nudged and you are encouraged and you are prompted to do something from God, do it. Take it from God, the Holy Spirit. Young people, go get your towels dirty and experience a lifetime of joy. If this message of being delighted to serve does not appeal to you, then maybe you need to get a new Lord and Master, and that's Jesus Christ. What a great day to commit your life to Christ if you've never truly been born again. The fruit of the Spirit is not there not walking with Christ because you don't have Christ, I urge you to come to Christ today. Christian, I urge you not to become carnal, not to become Laodicea, not to become lukewarm, not to lose the joy of your salvation. 